Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show, the Empowered Practice Podcast, where we have conversations about our own health and healing journeys, mind, body, and spirit, and the tools and the resources and the conversations that have been most supportive to us in that endeavor. I'm so honored to be your host, J.D. Ingalls, health coach, yoga, and meditation teacher, and perpetual seeker and student of life. Let's get on to the show. Okay, so welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome back to the Empowered Practice Podcast, and welcome back to the final episode in this series that we've been talking about called the It's Okay series. And we've just been talking about um, kind of the highs and lows in our healing journeys and where we maybe could have used some extra support or just the loving voice that it's okay. It's okay to be feeling what we're feeling. It's okay to be experiencing what we are. And each journey is unique, but we can kind of uplift and support each other in that. So I'm super excited today because we have our second interview ever on the show. And today I'm talking to the beautiful Meg. She is a holistic nutritionist, a registered wellness practitioner. She started the Nourished and Free Essential Oils community, which I'm a part of, and it's beautiful. She's a self-love coach, and she's a eating disorder recovery specialist. So she's got all sorts of juicy, good, lovely stuff to share with us today. So welcome, Meg. Thank you so much for having me on. I am truly so honored. Yay. I'm so happy to have you here. So Meg, as we just get started, will you tell um, everyone just a little bit about yourself and what inspired the work that you currently share with women? Yeah, of course. Um, The work that I do was definitely inspired by my own, my own journey with anorexia and overcoming multiple eating disorders. So that journey all began when I was 10 years old. I battled and overcame my first experience with anorexia. And then I relapsed when I was 15. And when I was going through that eating disorder, I started working with a dietitian, and she was a huge support for my journey. And she just really got me to a point of not fearing food. And she was the one person that I was listening to and felt like I could trust in my journey when it came to food. And she just helped me so much that I really wanted to be a woman like that in someone else's life, at least one other person's life. And so she really inspired me to go to university and study dietetics. So that's exactly what I did. And I did graduate from university with a Bachelor of Science in Dietetics, but I decided to not actually become a registered dietitian because my heart was just like feeling pulled to study something else. And I feel like even your series of, hey, it's okay, (laughs) really applies to this area of my life as well, Mm -hmm. amongst like so many other times. And, you know, it just, I love this series that you're doing, but 
I really had to move through some mental blocks and really talk myself through this time in my life because for more than four years of my life, I had dedicated um, my studies towards becoming a dietitian. And then I was just getting a really strong pull to not do that. It just didn't feel aligned with where I was at the time. And I started studying holistic nutrition. And so I went to the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition and graduated from there um, as a registered holistic nutritionist. And that's really when I began my private practice and I started helping other women. And now kind of all of the other things that I do with essential oils and my podcast and just all of the other things have kind of, you know, come along over the past, how many years has it been since, well, I graduated in 2014. So it's been like five years, which is absolutely crazy because (laughs) it, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like, I think back to it. I'm like, yeah, that was like two years ago. So (laughs) to think that it's five years is pretty nuts. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that journey with us. And um, it just reminded me, so Meg has these amazing essential oil blends that she puts together. And today there was one for courage and I'm actually diffusing it right now as we talk. Okay, me too. Oh my gosh. So maybe that's inspiring the conversation, but I just think um, for some women that are tuning in, it must be really helpful to hear these conversations because we can't really know like how our journey is going to unfold. We can only kind of reflect in retrospect and be like, oh, okay, I followed this calling and everything sort of fell into alignment as a result. So how did you sort of follow your, your courage or follow that calling, that calling to go to holistic nutrition? Yeah, it was, I'll be completely honest, it was really difficult because, and especially with um, like investing in something like university, you know, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have the full support of my parents going through university and whatnot. But even so, you know that your parents invested so much of their time and their money into you going to university. So it was really difficult for me to realize that I just did not want to pursue dietetics in that way. And I think for me, it was just being really open about where my heart was being pulled. And it wasn't the fact that I I feel like this helped is like I went to university and I graduated and then I went on to study further. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that really helped my journey that I, you know, went on to continuing my education, but gain knowledge from a place and the type of knowledge that felt really aligned with me. So I guess to maybe further answer your question and just give our listeners a little bit more of an idea like why I was feeling that pull was when I was studying dietetics and remember this was like in 2012 and 2013 would have been my final years of studying dietetics. But 
I was eating like whole eggs, a lot of egg yolks and ghee and really fatty foods, you know, and um, like the healthy fats from full fat dairy, things like that. And I am the type of person that I am like physically unable to tell someone to do something that I'm not doing myself. Mm-hmm. Or if I, if I don't apply that to my life for a really like strong reason, I would have a really difficult time telling someone else to do anything different. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that we're all different people, but I just couldn't see myself spending a whole year of my life um, giving advice to people that I didn't necessarily apply to my own life. And that was really eye opening for me. And I feel like I was just so dedicated to living in my truth at that time. And I still really am dedicated to doing that. So that was really the pull for me to recognize that and kind of take a little bit of a pivot on my journey, I guess. Yeah. Thank you so much for elaborating on that. I think that's really helpful to hear. I know it's, it's inspired me in a lot of ways. And I think that Meg helped me on my own healing journey. And that's part of what attracted me to you, Meg, is just that you feel so in your truth and very authentic and transparent with your own journey. And I think that can just be such a, a welcomed presence, especially with the world of like online businesses. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. (laughs) And what would you say, since this series is all about like the it's okay, um, what would you say is sort of the biggest permission slip you've given yourself or the biggest space to let things just be okay in your healing journey? Wow. I feel (laughs) like I've had big moments with it's okay throughout my whole journey. You know, there's things that are popping up, just like how we were talking about me taking that little bit of a pivot in my studies. And in that moment, for me, it was a, hey, it's okay that you spent four years of your life studying dietetics and having a goal of becoming a dietitian. It's okay to take that pivot and maybe start studying something else that feels more aligned with where you are. And I feel like fast forward, sorry, to like six years later, I'm at this place where I'm like being very open and honest about where I am in my journey right now. And I, this summer, I realized that in order for me to address my health in the way that I wanted to and address some of the health goals that I was working towards, it might require me to gain a little bit of weight. Mm -hmm. I had been staying at the same weight effortlessly for like the past several years, many years. I was just at the same weight. And that was kind of the weight that I just thought my body was naturally always going to be at because, again, it was just no matter kind of what I did, I was at that weight. Mm -hmm. And um, when I 
kind of sat down with myself and realized that in order for me to actually gain like the full health that I really wanted in my life, I might have to add some extra effort into how I ate and my lifestyle habits and things like that and change some things up and um, gain some weight from that. And one of my most recent it's okay moments was pretty cool for me. And I posted about this recently, but it has to do with body image and body neutrality. And I had heard of women speak about body neutrality in the past before, but I never actually understood what that was because basically for my entire life, I thought you either had to hate your body or like fearlessly just like, or fiercely love your body or be on like this pursuit to loving your body. Mm -hmm. And I never knew that there was such thing as like this middle place where you could still love yourself, but just be like, okay, with how you actually appeared to yourself in the mirror. And I feel like that's another big, hey, it's okay moment in my life that like, hey, it's okay. You don't have to feel like you look your best. And it's also okay that you don't actually hate your body in this time too. It's a pretty neat place to be in, to be completely honest. (laughs) Yes, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and thank you for posting about it. I think it's a message that, especially for women, is just like it's been lacking for so many years. So I'm so grateful that more people are sharing about this and just celebrating body diversity in general, that there's not just this one unidimensional perfect way to look. And also that if our goal is health, like you said, to get to the fullness of my health, I may have to let go of some of these other ways that I thought I needed to look or feel or eat or move. Like my primary goal is to be at my optimal health and therefore some of these things need to change or there needs to be some space or flexibility with them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And on the same topic and it's National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So I know you're speaking about it and many advocates are speaking about it. So what is the like biggest permission slip that you wish women or, or people in general would give themselves when it comes to like body love and self-love? Yeah, I feel like um, maybe a, hey, it's okay to not look the way society is telling us how to look and it's okay to still absolutely love yourself, but also love the way you look, even if everyone else around you is telling you um, to look a certain way, a different way. I think that one's huge um, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then also around food too. Mm -hmm. Um, With the weight gain that I have been experiencing lately, it's um, obviously required me to eat a lot more food. And I think that's something a lot of women struggle with as well. We feel like, I don't know why, but it's like 
as women, we have this belief that we're supposed to eat less than our Mm -hmm. significant other or our partner or our spouse. And that we just like don't need that much food as women. And to me, I am really passionate about changing that outlook and changing that belief system within women and like showing them that our bodies are meant to eat. (laughs) Like our bodies are meant to eat food. And I feel like the more food you're able to eat, the better. Like that, in my opinion, like I'm seriously eating the most food I have in my entire life, even including when I was actually going through eating disorder recovery. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't even eating this much food back then. And I was working with professionals back then. And that's, Another topic that deserves so many, it's okay. You know, like it's okay to go back and get seconds. Yes. It's okay to have dinner and then eat a huge snack before bed. It's okay to, this happened to me just recently, it's okay to have lunch, like a big lunch, mm-hmm. and then still feel hungry. And go back and make yourself basically another whole meal. Like, all of that's okay. And I think that's an area where so many women fight themselves on Mm -hmm. is, like, they eat a meal, they're still hungry, and they don't think it's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Because I think I can speak from personal experience and even just, like, watching – women in my life growing up, like there was all these food rules, right? There's, and even as kids, we're like, well, you just had breakfast, so you don't need something else to eat. Or, you know, if you have a snack now, it's going to ruin your appetite for lunch or whatever it might be. Or no, you don't need to eat something right before bed. And I think that can stay with us, these like childhood sort of ideas. And then it just gets exacerbated like over the last couple of decades with all of the diets and trends and food rules that have come out. It's like enough to drive someone crazy, you know, because we're supposed to, like, I don't know, some people say too fast through breakfast. Some people say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Some people say your biggest meal should be at lunch. And all of these things I think are meant initially were meant to be helpful for someone, but they're not maybe helpful for everyone. And they're maybe not helpful for that whole person's life and journey. And so it's a big practice in um, like letting go of all of that and really tuning back in. And so what like resources and tools have helped you tune back into your own personal guidance system to know what your body needs and how to honor that? Yeah. Well, one thing recently, I started a spiritual coaching course. And that has been led through my mentor, Jessica Flanagan. The course is just absolutely incredible. It's for practitioners wanting to become a spiritual coach and integrate this spiritual coaching into their practice. And that's something that I was, you know, wanting to do for quite some time now because it was really aligned with what I was already doing with my clients. But 
maybe just, I wanted to gain some more tools just as a practitioner. But one of Jessica's big messages is that we can only support our clients or help our clients as far as we've gone ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that course has really allowed me to take a deeper dive within myself and see why or what kind of beliefs I was still holding on to that maybe I didn't even realize. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that work that we do, it includes meditation. So that's a huge one for me. I know you're super into meditating and I feel like like over the past 6 months that I've been doing this course, I've also have been like meditating more than I have in my entire life and I feel like I am truly in the best space mentally and the most connected with myself when I am meditating 100%. So it's just something that is like a non-negotiable for me and like as of right now and moving forward it's just like I will just always do it even if it's a couple minutes in the morning before I get out of bed and a couple minutes before I go to bed in the evenings like that's kind of my daily practice but then if I have more time in between I'll add some more in but that's what I have found probably the most beneficial. And then, you know, I'm huge into journaling. I feel like if someone's not really ready to meditate, or maybe they just haven't found their rhythm with meditating yet, a journal practice is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a huge advocate for journaling. If you're wanting to tap into your inner guidance, absolutely do some journaling, um, whether that be in the morning or the evening, just like carve out some, some time during your day to do that. And I realized that while I'm talking and listing like meditation and journaling, those practices are, you know, kind of solo practices, things that you would do alone. And I think that's really important because in order for you to tune into your inner wisdom, I do think there has to be that piece of you being alone with yourself so you can actually tune in to your wants and your needs and like your inner whispers type thing. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it all has to be done by yourself. I'm currently not working with like a therapist or a counselor or anything like that. But I mean, through eating disorder recovery, when I was in high school, I was working with a really like world renowned psychologist. He has an eating disorder recovery center in Brandon, Manitoba. I'm Canadian, by the way. <laughs> and so he has a eating disorder recovery center. He has two houses where girls, women from all around the world will come to live and go through like recovery treatment. I was an outpatient there, but I was able to have weekly um, therapy sessions with him. Mm-hmm. And I like that was 100% one of the biggest 
things that I could have done, like the most helpful things that I could have done for myself um, through recovery. And you don't need to be going through like eating disorder recovery or anything big. Like you don't need to be going through a hard time to see a therapist. So, you know, there's meditating and journaling, but those are things you can do yourself. And like I said, even though this is kind of like a self journey to like getting in touch with yourself, that doesn't mean that there's not people out there that can like help support you, even like yourself and myself. This is what we do with our clients as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. And I love how this conversation is unfolding because it's actually mirroring um, an interview that I did last week that's going to come out tomorrow. But I think it's so great because it's, um, it's a couple of things. It's sharing the message with people that it doesn't have to be a radical change always. Like it can be two minutes of meditation in the morning and two minutes of meditation in the evening. It can be a five minute journaling session. And these things are enough to create a spark that can begin a whole new trajectory of self healing and self awareness and connection with ourselves. So I think that's a really important message to share because I think so many people starting out are like, I'm going to have to change everything. I'm going to have to get up two hours earlier and I have to do this hour long meditation practice. And then I'm going to have to go find a teacher in India or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be that it can be starting right where you're at with the tools that you have. And there's so many amazing resources out there then to continue to help support that vision, like support groups, like amazing therapists and psychologists. So I think that's an amazing message. And It slid through there, but it was really important, something you said, that you don't have to be in going through an especially hard or challenging time in your life to seek out that support. It could simply be that you want to move into greater thriving, right? Mm -hmm. You just want to become more resourced. Yeah, and honestly, this kind of, I know you mentioned that it's National Eating Disorder Awareness Week when we're recording this, and this kind of like all ties together um, and something that... A lot of our, like those of us who are advocating like throughout this week, a lot of our messages, I know I just posted about this and this is something that I'm contacted from women so much about. And it's like, when can I actually like get help for what I'm going through? Mm -hmm. And I just posted about this yesterday and it's like, we all deserve support whenever we feel we need it like you don't have to wait and so that kind of even ties into what you and I are talking about right now like you don't have to wait until you go through like a traumatic life event to seek out a therapist Mm -hmm. if you want to talk to someone and your heart is tugging you in that direction by all means reach out to a therapist right now you don't have to have like a diagnosis of something right Mm -hmm. absolutely I love that message um and I love that it's becoming more um just part of our our journey to healing to seek out these sorts of support and I think it's one of the ways in which online offerings and social media are are 
like helpful in that way. So I think some people, sometimes social media can be, it can feel isolating or like make us go into that comparison trap, but it can also be a place to cultivate inspiration and tribe. And I know you're amazing at networking and connecting with people. So how have you found like navigating the online space to create sort of a support and a tribe and a group of people that you feel really uplifted and inspired by? Yeah, well, I do want to make sure that everyone knows that it takes time, especially those who are trying to do the same, right? There's a lot of um, women or even men that have online businesses trying to create an online community, and they really get frustrated if it's not coming together really, really fast. I must remind everyone that I have literally been doing this for like nearly 10 years. Yeah. So it's been, it's been quite a long time um, of just me showing up even on Instagram. I haven't had like a website for 10 years, but I think Instagram started being a thing almost 10 years ago. And I remember getting the app and I have just always shown up as myself and told my story really, really loud because mm -hmm. I, that it all started honestly with my parents. Um, when I was going through eating disorder recovery, the first time when I was in elementary school, I was in grade five, which is so crazy um, to be that young. You know, I see pictures of myself back then. And I'm like, how, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just crazy. But when I was going through that really hard time in my life, my parents reminded me that I shouldn't hide my story. And that if I talked about it, maybe I could help someone someday. Mm -hmm. So there was another girl in my element elementary school going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that kind of even inspired me a little bit more to talk about my story even louder, just in case I could help her maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, so that really stuck with me throughout the years. And, you know, the more and more I shared my story, the more and more people would reach out to me and say how much I was helping them or helping someone else that they knew. So that's really how um, creating my community all began. And now I, I like to have fun with it. As you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, I do have a essential oil community. And it's cool because you and I connected. That's not the only reason you and I connected. But um, you and I live nowhere near each other and yeah. we're able to like work together in that way. And, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty cool that I'm how many miles away from you and I'm diffusing a diffusive yeah. one and you're <laughs> diffusing the exact same one. Like it makes us feel that much more tied together, I guess, you know, it's, it's cool to just know that. And, um, on Instagram, I really, really do try to create community there. Mm -hmm. Two of the things that I really like to do that I think are kind of unique is what I do on the weekends. So mm -hmm. I invite my community on Instagram to chime in for conversation on the weekends. I always obviously have 
it open up for comments throughout the week and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But on the weekends, I really encourage just like fun, playful, um, intimate conversation. And so the way I do that is on Saturdays, we just have a post of like a virtual tea date that I call it. So I just encourage everyone on my Instagram to come join me and like, tell me what's up, like what's on their mind? What are they doing this weekend? What was a highlight of their week? Or what are they struggling with? You know, just so we can connect and chat. I think online and like social media, there's not much of that anymore. Mm. So I just like opening up my weekends to post like that. And then on Sundays, I have a themed day called Celebrate You Sunday. And I guess a lot of what I do today has really been brought with me from my eating disorder recovery. When mm-hmm. and So Celebrate You Sunday is um, something that it wasn't called Celebrate You Sunday when I was going yeah. through eating disorder recovery, but um, it was just something that my parents always had me do was like celebrate at the end of the day, celebrate the little things that I did um, that were helping me move forward in the right direction. So it would be anything, but it could be just like super little things, you know, like I ate all of my lunch today, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I enjoyed it sort of thing, you know, it was just like little stuff like that. And I really don't think enough of us take time to celebrate ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I open up a conversation for that every Sunday. And I love, I genuinely love hearing from my community on Instagram and I love chatting with everyone over there. So I do like that's just like two of the ways that mm-hmm. I have created community for an example. And I love how you shared it because it really points out that we've we haven't just been like taking up space our whole lives. We've been learning and we've been growing and so it can be really helpful to look back on the course of our lives and sometimes the some of the most challenging things we've gone through and to realize, "Oh my gosh, I gathered all these tools from this, you know, this experience. I gathered all these resources and now I can share them with other people." So I think that's amazing and another thing you said that actually came up in my conversation last week too was to begin to focus on the good. You can see that I like to have these kinds of conversations. They start to overlap, but it's so many of people walking the planet today are so busy and so time strapped and so stressed out. And it's really easy for the mind then to go into that sort of survival brain on like, where's the threat, scanning my environment for a threat, putting out any fires. And I think a nice salve for that, a nice balance for that is to begin a practice of focusing on the good that happened in that very same span of time. And it can be really small. Like you said, just one good thing that happened today. I'm awake. I'm breathing. I got to have this conversation with you. Like there's so many things and we can begin to like retrain the way that our mind perceives our environment just by these small practices. Yeah. So honestly, some days it is what I'm grateful for. I might do a little like 
five bullets of what I'm grateful for. But most often, it's like a journal of what's on my mind, maybe something that really went well that day, or, you know, maybe something that's kind of bugging me or something that keeps coming up in my everyday life. Um, It's like something like stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I consider myself to be a writer. So I really love writing. So I don't, I personally don't struggle with journaling. I, I struggle with the fact that I could journal forever. (laughs) So I've actually transferred my journal to like an online journal. So that's another tip that maybe will help some people listening is I was journaling pen to paper, you know, in a pretty journal that I picked up at the bookstore. And although I usually like I still have like an actual paper agenda, I love like writing things down, crossing them off, making lists, that sort of thing. And I really do love that approach with journaling as well. But I would journal so long and it's like my thoughts came so much faster than I could write and it just felt like I was writing forever you know and it started to be less fun than I wanted it to be so I was like okay I still want to journal but how can I actually make this a little bit more like time effective (laughs) and so I just created a notebook on Evernote titled journal and I journal online and it it's all the same. Like I feel the exact same after I journal, you know, I get all the benefits and everything like that, but it just like, it's easier on my hands and um, it takes less time to be honest. So, yeah, I love that you said that too. And kindred spirits that we are, I found the same for myself. So I started with handwritten journal and the thoughts just came so fast that I started using Google Docs to just create an online journal for myself. So yeah, there's lots of options. And I think here, just like with food, there's a lot of rules out there that are saying that there's a right way to do something, but we really just have to find what works for us. And I find that if we can be in this space of, as I'm someone who tends to be like overly serious about everything. So if I can just come back to that, like childhood sort of exploratory curiosity view of it, it's, um, it becomes much more fun and expansive. Mm -hmm. I love how you tied it back to food and, you know, just reminding everyone that, what works for me, like food wise, isn't going to work for them. But it also like reflects back onto how we even journal. And of course, you started an online journal too. Like, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Kindred spirits. So funny. I love that though. Yeah. Google Docs is another good idea. Yeah, it can be so simple. So I think that's like a huge message of this It's Okay series is like, there's a lot of barriers to well-being, but many of them are, we're holding onto unnecessarily. So sometimes the practice begins with what are the limiting beliefs that I'm holding onto that I'm willing to release to move into like more spaciousness here. So it might be letting go of some rules around food, food timing, food amount, being a particular size 
having a specific way that we exercise or how often or like letting go of some of the rigidity around that all the way to approaching our spiritual practices and awareness practices from a place of openness and curiosity and letting it evolve. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree with everything yeah. that you just said. <laughs> Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with this audience and all of the resources that you've gathered over the 10 plus years that you've been dedicated to this. And before I let you go, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about your offerings and just connect with you? Yeah, thanks, JD. So as I mentioned, I am really active over on Instagram. You can find me over there at Meg the RHN. So RHN just stands for Registered Holistic Nutritionist. So Meg the RHN. My website is also Meg the RHN.com. I've tried to keep things pretty simple for everyone to go find me. And um, I also have a podcast, as I mentioned, and that's called The Unbreakable you podcast and you were on I forget what number of episode it was just off of the top of my head I can't remember but it was around December mm -hmm. um, we were prepping everyone for the Christmas kind of crazies <laughs> so <laughs> you and I had an awesome conversation I know that episode was so well received and loved by my audience so your listeners should definitely tune in to that episode as well. Uh, I've loved it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with yeah. me too. Thanks for having me on. So that's the end of this episode. I hope that you enjoyed all the information and the conversations and reflections that we shared as much as I have. And if you'd like to connect with me and learn a little bit more about my own journey and the offerings that I share, please visit jdingleswellness.com. And you can also connect with me on Instagram. And if you feel moved to and this show was really aligned for you, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Bye for now.